That's awesome. We want to be with you, O oh Lord. That's a beautiful song. I decided to get this laptop because I can't see no more, so I can amplify these letters. Um, I'm, I'm going to do something a little bit different this uh, uh, evening. I, uh, I, I wanted to use some of these slides from uh, Torah Resource, from Tim Hague's uh, ministry. I having used them before. It's just this one slide and I'm going to look all the ones he has. I haven't asked him to use them yet, but I, I don't think he will mind. Uh, I will ask him anyways. <laughs> uh, I'm just using it for my presentation tonight. I'm so glad that we are counting the Omer. It's just amazing how the, the year is going by. I mean, it's just boom. It's, just flying right in front of our eyes. There are many things that we, got, we still got to do. Springtime is kind of leaving us. You can feel it in the weather. No more pollen, right? Just a little bit of pollen. And then we have the warmer days and storms and things like that. All of these have a significance for the Lord. Uh, uh, ER is the second month of the biblical calendar. It's kind of confusing for some people. Uh, Every month of the biblical calendar highlights interesting events and unfolds unique stories of the Jewish, uh, of the Jewish people. But not only the Jewish people, but the entire world. Uh, they are just the people who use shows, uh, was, you know, chosen to uh, do different things around the world and for the other nations. And if we are conscious of how the law works, We'll find out within his uh, glorious scriptures about significant things. So Iyar uh, is from the Akkadian Ayaru, meaning rosette blossom. It's the eighth month of the civil year. I told you it's kind of confusing, right? That's the, that's the um, order if we start from Nisan. But if we start from uh, Tishrei, then it's probably the eighth month. But let's stick with the second month. Let's stick with the second month only. Um, the month of Iyer is the second of the 12 months of the biblical calendar. Iyer usually coincides with the Gregorian month of May. It is the month that connects Passover, which occurred in the previous month of Nisan, to Pentecost or Shavuot, which we're going to observe it in the coming month of Sivan. Iyar is the brightest month of the year. It is also referred to as the month of radiance, radiance, or the month of budding because of the splendor of the sun. On the first day of Iyar, following their exodus from Egypt, the thirsty Israelites reached a well of bitter waters. Moses cast a tree into the water and miraculously became sweet. So God then promised, after this event, God promised that if Israel followed his ways, if Israel followed his ways, the diseases I have placed on Egypt I will not place upon you. For I am the Lord your healer. So the word Iyar in Hebrew is an acronym of the phrase Ani Hashem Ro Fecha, which means I am God your healer. So in addition, the manna, the bread from heaven, which fed the Israelites for 40 years while traveling in the desert, began, began to fall from heaven during this month, the month of Iyar. This manna was supposed to have healing qualities as well according to the rabbis. Iyar is a special month in the biblical calendar because it is a time when we can appeal to God to heal us. Can we do that today? Of course. Because there is so much pain and suffering in our world, we must turn to our Heavenly Father in faith and believe Him to heal and refine ourselves and others. Uh, and this is very important, especially now that 
around 400 rockets have fall into Israel during the last two days. 400, can you imagine? I mean, <laughs> besides the other things, you have to protect yourself from rockets. That's, that's nothing we can, I mean, I cannot imagine. That's very, very ugly. Let's talk a little bit about time. What is time? What is time for? How do we define time? How will you draw time? Can you even draw time? Can you make a drawing about time? Uh, yeah, it can be linear or can be a spiral, a spiral time. Uh, but does time even exist? Have you think about it? Does time even exist? Uh, we know when we're born, right? We, we know when all we're born, right? Uh, I was talking to someone who helps uh, people who come from other countries. There's a country called Burma. I don't know if you're familiar with that place. It's kind of a da very dangerous place. It's probably one of the most dangerous places on the planet. And people from Burma have no idea when they were born. They have no idea. They have no idea of the concept of time or the concept of a calendar. So when they come here and you're trying to get information from them, you know, a simple question, when you were born? The day, the month, no idea. They have no idea what it is. So can you imagine live without time? So, so we know when we're born, but we, and we know where we're born. Some of us probably don't, but you know, we usually we know where we were born. Uh, we know where we are originally from and where our ancestors are from. But we don't know when we're gonna die. We might die tonight. Never know. So let's try to define time. Uh, time, there is not one simple definition of time. Time is something we deal with every day. and something that everyone thinks they understand. However, a compact, compact and robust definition of time has proved to be remarkably tri tricky and elusive. So there's some short definitions I found on the great uh, Dr. Google consultation place. Because I was trying to, man, I couldn't find a book about time. I'm like, what? What is that? Mathematicians can tell me about time, maybe, but still you cannot define it. I mean, I, so there's some short definitions, short, snappy definitions, uh, including Albert and some physicians, physicists, as Albert Einstein, Donald Ivy, and others. You probably are familiar with them. I'm not. Uh, I know Albert Einstein, but Donald Ivy, no idea. I know Baldor, <laughs> the one who wrote an algebra book like this, thick, you know, but I was just passing it on it. Uh, I mean, what clocks measure is what they say. That is time. Whatever the clock measures. I was looking for something more bigger, you know, from Albert Einstein. It's just, oh, no, it's just what clocks measure. Really? All right. What prevents everything from happening at once? This is from the physicist John Wheeler and others. Another definition, a linear continuum of instants. That's from Adolf Grombaum. Probably German. It sounds German. Or maybe Dutch. I don't know. A certain period during which something is done. This is the medical dictionary. Of course, it's got to be, right? The medical dictionary. A certain period during which something, probably they mean a surgery is done to count how much I'm going to charge. That's my definition. Uh, a continuum that lacks special dimensions. That makes sense. Yeah, continuum that lacks special dimensions, spatial dim dimensions. Encyclopedia Britannica. 
one of my favorites. Although each of these definitions is fine as far as it goes, none of them feel wholly satisfactory. I mean, and uh, you know, when you realize that God is out of time, out of space, and out of the physical, he's not in our time. He allows us to measure time by his own definition, by his own rules. And there's a good bunch of definitions about times, and I, I have no time to define time, okay? <laughs> so I'm not time for all. I mean, this is a. Whew. Now, past, present, and future. Most of us, we can talk about past, present, and future. I can tell you about it. I don't want to do the things I, bad things I did in the past in the present because I want to get to a good future. Very simple, that's time for me. It might end it up tonight, who knows? But I don't want to bring my past, especially if it's bad, to today the and, and then to the future. I won't be able to be in a good place in the future. I want to be in the world to come with my Messiah. Amen. So that can be my definition. The past may be defined as those events which occur before a given point in time, events which are usually considered to be fixed and immutable. It can be accessed through mem memory or since the advent of written language record history. The study of the past, in particular, as it relates to human, humans, is called history. Simple. The present may be defined as the time associated with the events perceived directly and for the first time. For example, not as, re not as a recollection of the past or as a speculation of the future. It is equivalent to the world now and is the period of time located between the past and the future just how long a period of time the present incorporates, however, depends on the context on, and can vary from an infinitesimal or durationless moment to a day to a whole era, depending on how it is being used. Did you get it? I didn't. The future is the indefinite time period after the present moment. I mean, I don't even want to talk about the future because it's not there yet. I mean, it's, it doesn't exist. Does the future exist? No, right? Not for me. I know what is going to be in the future according to the Bible, but I'm not there yet. So I need to do something today in order for me to get a place there. I want to be the least of the least, but I want to be there. You know, I don't want to be... Uh, anyways, the study of postulating possible, probably, and preferable futures and worldviews is called futurology. All of you guys who like prophecies and things like that, you're futurologists. But how God defines time, have you realized it? Have you think about it? How God defines time. The Hebrew calendar based on the Torah and further developed by the sages is our tool for weaving together all of these levels of time. When deeply understood and activated, the rhythms and cycles of Jewish life synchronized with the calendar connect us to nature and the seasons, history and redemption and to eternity where all is infinitely one. Did you get it? I got it this time. This is the prophesied quality of time we will all experience in the Messianic era referred to as Yom Shekulo Shabbat, a day that is completely Shabbat. Isn't it beautiful? I mean, it's going to be a day that is going to be an infinite Shabbat. A Shabbat forever. Yom Shekulo Shabbat. Remember that. Yom Shekulo Shabbat. A day that is completely Shabbat. I mean, I love that. That's, that's how God defines, according to these sages, 
That's how God defines time. It's a combination of synchronized things of nature, events, spiritual things, and so on. It's just great. I can send it to you if you want me to give you this uh, definition of time. This is by uh, uh, Rabbi Dolbert Pinson, by the way. Uh, he's not a Jesus believer. He's a great guy. Um, I wish all these guys believed in Messiah. But he'll be, they'll be more profound. Now, the, the time, according to this uh, same rabbi, I was looking at some other things, and I spoke to you about this before. That's why you see the same slide in there. Uh, is the cyclical, linear, and the spiral natures of time by uh, Rabbi Pinson. I'm going to try to read a few of his insights. There's many of them, but I'm just going to try to move on to this to give you some definitions. Each, each year, we experience a linear progression of a spring, summer, fall, and winter. That's easy, right? That's the definition of time. It's progressive, spring, summer, fall, and winter, and we, it's linear, and it's circle at the same time. With all of their attendant physical and spiritual ramifications revealing themselves one after the next. At the same time, we also experience the cyclical nature of the year. The seasonal coordinates and phenomenal displays of nature repeat year after year and may appear indistinguishable as if we are living through the same patterns over and over and again. That's what you feel sometimes when you're, you have emptiness in your heart. Ah, the same thing all over again. Same will go over and over again. It shouldn't be like that for us, the believers. Because every year should be like you are going forward but upward to heaven. Okay? Every cycle of the year in the biblical time should be the, a, a different experience. As ancient men observed cyclical patterns proliferating throughout creation, sprouting, blossoming, bearing fruit, wilting, lying dormant, and returning again to life, he more often than not included that time operates in an infinitely recurring rhythm. The ancient thinkers referred to this phenomenon as the eternal return. What occurred in the past will inevitable occur again and again for all eternity. If one wanted to know what will happen in the future, one merely needed to look at the past. It sounds like Solomon, right? Solomon probably was one of the, you know, one of the great thinkers. Life was thus viewed as an endless circle. There you go, linear and circle. Many ancient peoples believe that our universe emerged into existence as an infant, is maturing, will die, and sometime a new universe will be born. Various civilizations offer their timetable for the lifespan of each recurring universe. Remember, the, it was the Mayan calendar. Remember, when was that time? 2012? That everybody, not everybody, a lot of futurologists predicted the end of times. But yeah, the Y2K and things like that. But it was the Mayan calendar, I think. It was no more in the stone. That's all. It was around the stone and there was no more space. That's why he ended it in there. You know, it's 2012 or whatever. I mean, you know. Anyways, uh, uh, that's the, 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 the lifespan of each recurring universe. Some call this cosmological lifespan the great year. Despite their different opinions on the length of this great year, all agreed that each universe ends and is followed by another, with no real choice, choice 
but they play out the same basic script. Echoing this idea, some modern historians have posited theories of every ever repeating events, persons or eras. From this perspective, history has already been written and it doesn't end well. The Torah introduced a new way of observing and continuing, continuing time to the ancient world. One that is linear and progressive rather than cyclical and repet repetitive. In this view, Time began at creation, and we are steadily progressing in continuous quest toward complete redemption. This is awesome, people. We are in continuous quest toward complete redemption. Some ancient Kabbalist texts do speak about recurring universes, universes which are Shemitah, the Shemitah time, right? Those are Shemitah, 7,000 year cycles. Yet, according to all Torah sources, time is a creation, and so by definition, time itself began at a certain point, according to Ramban and some others, uh, Radak, Sforno, etc. This new way of seeing time allowed and allows humankind to think of our future awareness of this new horizon empower us to create a better tomorrow for ourselves and for the world. Isn't it beautiful? Are you getting all of this? I'm just, my brain is about to blow away. The universe is progressively evolving, not stagnating. Is that a correct word? Am I saying it right? stagnating, yeah. stagnating, mm -hmm. something that it remains like a pound of water, right? Pond of water, yeah. So the universe is progressively evolving, not stag stagnating. Stagnating, thank you. Or regressing to a more primitive order. Nonetheless, even as all matter is evolving, we still have free choice. We can respond spiritually to the material, technological, and social progress happening all around us and become more and more refined. This is, this is great. Or we can choose to evolve only superficially, perhaps living longer and increasing in material wealth and quality of information, but stagnating spiritually. Did I say it right? Stop stopping your life spiritually. You can advance in technology, intellect, uh, wealth, but spiritually you can just be there. Sadly, the past century has shown us the, that advanced technology can be used to destroy more life than ever before uh, to possible. And rationally and sophisticated knowledge can breed prejudice, prejudices of the darkest kind. And any journey, there may be setbacks. This is natural. The challenge for us as this stage of history is to avoid becoming dispirited or pessimistic we must instead take our tremendous propensity and craving for progress in physical as well as intellectual pursuits and channel this inclination toward spiritual pursuits as well. In all creation, only human beings are able to progress and regress spiritually. So we can go forward or we can go backwards. That's the robot. I like to go forward. I don't know if you like to go backwards. I won't leave my sinful life ever again. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. Every, everything else is designed to be spiritual stationary. When plants, animals, angels, even angels, mineral mo molecules or elements are created, 
their mode or functioning is pre-programmed, so to speak, and they not change qualitatively throughout the duration of their individual existence. Most things and beings are therefore basically predictable. We, on the other hand, have the amazing ability to become whatever we desire. There is no limit to the levels of self-elevation or self-degradation. Elevation, degradation, elevation, degradation we can attain. Yesterday's behavior is by no means an absolute indicator of how we will behave today. Self-transformation remains forever a real possibility. And yet, despite, despite this linear model of time and change that we have just outlined, it cannot be disputed that time flows cyclically as well, such as in the recurring seasons of the year. Every year spring arrives with the energy of Pesach, and every year autumn offers up the energy of Sukkot. And yet, concurrently, time is also progressing forward. So the best way to describe this simultaneous coexistence of linear and circular paradigms as expressed in our calendar is the time flows as spiral, turning around and round again, yet simultaneously progressing forward and upward, going up. Now in Hebrew, time is called zman. The word zman is also related to the word zmana, which means to prepare or invite. We can view time as either moving away from the past or toward the future. In truth, Zman suggests both. Zman flows from the ine inevitable or the past, but it's also pulled from the possibility of the future. It is both moving out of the beginning of creation and at the same time moving into the status of Redemption. How can we ourselves escape stagnant circling in life, engage in forward motion, and spiral upwards into greater spiritual illumination? The cycles of time contain myriad points of light in ourselves to internalize and activate them. By understanding the different spiritual influences throughout the year and by gaining access to the corresponding tools, we can garner support and generate the momentum necessary to put a stagnation behind us and begin this spiral upwards. Oof, that was something. So these are the three months linked together. We have uh, Nissan, Iyar, and Sivan. They are linked together. I show you this before, so let's move on. Spring, huh? Spring month. The spring months, month, yes. The spring, did it say? What did it say? The three spring months link together. Now we have the three months also uh, in a different picture. And if you see they're elevating a little bit, it's like you going up from Nissan to Yard to Sivan. The month of Iyar is, uh, this is between self-expression and self-development. Iyar marks the beginning of the second month of spring. We said that before. In the, pre in the previous month of Nisan, we officially move out, uh, 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 out of our win winter hibernation, so to speak. This seasonal and spiritual transition is celebrated on Pesach, Passover, and is symbolized by the exodus from Egypt. Following this miraculous birth into freedom and uh, vitality, we now begin to feel more self-assured and expressive in ER. Due to the warming weather, we are more relaxed and comfortable being outside. Freedom is in the air, not just as a budding potential, but as a blossoming reality. We are naturally pulling numerous exciting directions, whether towards new adventures, opportunities, and, or relationships, and this is precisely 
where the inner work of this month comes into play. Now, anytime I read this from the rabbis, I'm also trying to put together what Rabbi Yeshua did for us. Like, uh, that comes to mind when my brother, uh, Otis, was talk telling me about in Exodus, when they went out of Egypt, it was when the moon was up there, illuminating the whole desert. Perfect time. It was right there, a big light. Because there were no GPS, there were no cars, there was no lights. Yeah, Nissan 14, it was, the moon is full, ain't it? So, you know, it was a perfect time for the Jewish people to get out of Egypt. Because it was all illuminated, it was light. Besides the light of the Lord and so many other meanings, you know. Um, uh, and so, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking about Rabbi Yeshua telling his emissaries about go and expand this gospel to the, the whole planet, right? Starting in Jerusalem, Samaria, uh, and the rest of the planet. It's blossoming. It's springtime. It's popping up. You know, it's boom. You know, and, and, and you're getting out. There's an opportunity from winter to springtime to get out and do something. You know, let's, you know, anytime in springtime we want to do something. We want to fix our homes. We want to fix our cars. We want to do something. Play some sports, start us to walk. You know, it would be nice if we use that energy for the glory of the kingdom. You know? But we love to be around our places. Around. I love it. I mean, I love my, my hot water, my, you know, my air conditioning and all those things. I enjoy them. But it, it is what the Lord wants us to do. I don't know. Therefore, during this time of the year, we must work to balance our newly emergent energy and excitement with a conscious commitment to self-refinement and right relationships. This is achieved through a daily practice known as Sefirat HaOmer, the counting of the Omer, which, as we will learn, is ultimately intended to be initiation to an initiation into the deeper rhythm of time as well as the active and gradual rectification of our midat interpersonal attributes nisan the first month in the cycle of month is associated with abraham and the attribute of chesed kindness and openness er is connected with yitzhak isaac and the attribute of Gevurah, strength and restriction. The subsequent month, the subsequent month, Sivan is associated with Yaakov, Jacob, and the attribute of Tefiret, balance, compassion, after a spiritual birth, as it were, during the Exodus from Egypt, commemorated during Pesach, followed by our infancy and the later part of Nisan comes the month of Iyar in which we begin to grow up and start to express our individual individuality. Iyar thus represents our childhood and adolescence, adolescence following the birth and infancy of Nisan. So you're a, a little boy, now you are an adolescence and you're moving on. To maturity. When you get mature, then you receive the Torah. So, I prepare all of these, but it's a, a lot. So I'm not gonna, uh, you know, there's there's 12 influences in each month, and it's called Chodesh months, Chidush, newness, and so on. Uh, let me read this last portion here. The cycle of a year is now merely a series of discrete points in time strung together. The distinct feeling and activities of each period flow into each year, forming a seamless and continuously unfolding psycho-spiritual journey. It's like connections, things that happen during the, 
these um, influences on each month according to uh, this revised. And there's 12 dimensions. Uh, one is um, the 12 dimensions or the letter formation, the formation of the divine name, you have, have, have. Every month the rabbis put them in different order to mean something. Uh, and the second, the Torah verse, there's a Torah verse for each month. There's a Hebrew letter connected to each month. There is a meaning of the name of each month as well. Each month has a name and it has a meaning. There is a sense associated with each month, one of our senses. There is a mazalot, it's a sign that influences each month. Uh, the tribe of Israel is connected. There's the 12 tribes connected to Israel as well. There's one part of a body is associated with each month. There is an element, you know, fire, wind, water, and earth connected to the different months. There are uh, four elements and divided between 12. There are total portions that we read during each month that are connected to the month as well. The seasonal qualities characterizing each month and the holidays and traditional spiritual practices set within each month. But let's talk about what happened in Eeyore. In Eeyore, um, we have 12 dimensions as well. And this is the thing I was telling you about. Uh, the Hashem's four letters, the verse, the letter, uh, the name of the month, the sense, the Mazalot sign, the tribe of Israel, body, poor element, parishiot, the season of the year, and so on. Now, there's 12 dimensions for the month of Iyar. As, as I mentioned, Iyar is the month of Geburah, strength and power. But only for outward moment and manifestation, this Geburah can also give us strength and inwardness, introspection and self-evaluation. This, all of this help us to, uh, throughout ER, with the proper kavana, intention and awareness. We will then mature into adulthood as well adjusted, emotionally stable, and mindful individuals ready to receive the Torah during the next month of Sivan. This is of ranking theme of ER. So, the order of the letters in this month you have I've had in each month of the year has an inner light that shines through a different permutation of these four letters. Each permutation communicates a different spiritual dynamic encoded within the divine signature. So let's move. This is more understandable, the next point. Uh, Jeremiah 9.23, let he the glorious glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. This, very, this verse focuses on hasagah, a type of intellectual awareness, and binah, understanding. So it, it, it helps us to understand God. That's the verse, Jeremiah 9.23, is supposed to be the verse... Uh, of this month. Vav, the letter Vav, is very interesting. That looks like a hook. Uh, and the letter of the month is, uh, on Iyar is Vav. Vav is a symbol of connection and continuity. As the letter Vav can mean and, which means connecting words. Uh, is also or the beginning of a war, also as a war of itself. Vav means a hook, a connector, a, or unifier. As the second month is a connecting month, creating the connection and continuity between Nisan and Sivan. Nisan is the month of redemption, and on the first day of Sivan begins the process of the giving of the Torah. Thus, Iyar connects redemption which happened in Nisan, to Revelation, which is going to happen on Sivan. Iyar also, uh, the, uh, it means bright. We spoke about it before. 
according to the Genoim, the version of Sefer Yetzirah, the month of Nisan, is connected with the sense of sight, while the month of Iyar is connected with the sense of hearing. So we need sight, we need to see, but we also need to hear. What happened in uh, Acts 2, for instance, people always talk about the tongues, but they, they probably skip the part where it says, we hear them talking about, you know, the Word of God in our own language. So it was the ability of them to hear most important than when they were seeing. How come these Galileans are talking in their language, but we are able to hear what they say? Amen. In other words, God put some kind of uh, translator in their ears and gave them the ability to understand what they were talking about in their own language without using a translator. You know what I mean? They were like 50 different, 70 different languages. And they were understanding from Peter talking in Aramaic Galilean accent. So it sounds like my accent kind of. So God is giving you the ability to understand me. Uh, and then the, the sign will be uh, a, a bull. In the sign is a lamp. So remember, lamp is like a small lamb, and then a bull is like adolescent already. The uh, tribe is uh, Issachar. The body part is the right kidney. Rashi says that our kidneys symbolize our ability to discern good from bad. And the right kidney expressly symbolizes choosing the good. So let's choose the good. Earth, the element uh, of the earth is cold and dry. Iyar has a spiritual coldness and dryness to it as there are no Torah based on even rabbinic holidays during this month, except like Beomer is technically post-rabbinic. On Iyar is a month in which we harness the liberatory energy from Nisan and anchor it in the practical world one day at a time. The Parishiot, the portions we read, are from Tazriya Mezora all the way to Bechu Kotai. You want to read them all tonight? No. <laughs> Torah portions we read in this period in which each Parsha deals with Din, Din meaning judgment or judges. Tuma, impurities, we've been reading about that, impurities and all of that, or rhythms of time. You know, a lot of uh, concepts of time are in this parishiot. The season, of course, is the second month of spring, and the holidays uh, like Belmer. Let's move on quickly, because all these things we've been looking at it uh, before. So we count Belmer. We know that, right? It's, it's got a good significance. Why it's so important to count the days from the uh, bringing of the Omer onto Shavuot? We know that, right? The Torah does not state the reason, but we know different reasons. Perhaps the simplest explanation has to do, it, has to do with the harvest. The bringing of the Omer was the first harvesting of the new crops. This harvesting continued throughout the Omer period and was brought to a climax at Shavuot with the offering of Shtei the two loaves of bread. Now, Yeshua our Messiah, uh, again, is the one who, you know, ordered to bring the good news throughout the world, starting in Jerusalem, Samaria, and the rest of the world. Uh, Sinai is the answer to the question for what purpose were the Israelites freed from Egypt. Sinai gave them goals to strive from an obligation to fulfill. They were transformed from Advei Pharaoh, slaves of Pharaoh, to Avdei Hashem, servants of the Lord. Thus, Pesach without Shavuot will have been incomplete. And the Omer is the chain that links the two together. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. How we count the Omer, we know that, and we're going to do it after the, we finish the service. Uh, 
there was a mourning on the Omer, and it's called, uh, you know, Rabbi Akiva's, uh, Akiva's um, disciples were killed. Uh, it's a minor festival. Uh, there were persecutions and massacres of the Jews, and it's happening now again. 400 rockets have been sent to, to Israel while we are sleeping and enjoying the springtime. They need to hide and, you know, cover the children and everything. Uh, there's a custom for the Ashkenazim to read Perkeia vote. There's 49 pages of Perkeia vote. It's been reading every, every uh, day of the counting of the Omer. Uh, there's also a custom to celebrate Pesach. It's the second opportunity. Let's say you didn't have an opportunity the first Pesach last month. You have another opportunity this month to celebrate Pesach. So if you haven't celebrated for various reasons, you were ill, you were away or whatever, you still can do it on uh, 14th of ER and it's totally legal by the Halakha. So we are preparing for Shavuot. How do we prepare for Shavuot? Uh, we having a prayer devotional, the uh, prayer team has put together a prayer devotional where you can also you can count the Omer but at the same time you can put a dollar offering aside instead of buying the, uh, the Starbucks, I oh, know the Starbucks would be like four to five bucks if you have money for the Starbucks you might have money for the offering on, Shav on Shavuot so put that five dollars together and it's going to be a good amount of money for the Shavuot offering. So you, will, you uh, will come here with your hands full of uh, blessing. And I, I guess this year the congregation is giving the money to two ministries, right? One that is three ministries. Thank you. I mean, uh, one is uh, Shapira's ministry. The other one is uh, one to Israel and another one for here, right? Okay. So there's three ministries we're supporting with that money. So put that Starbucks coffee aside. Don't drink it. Drink water. Drink water from the tap water from your house. I heard the uh, Georgia water is good. So don't worry about it. And drink it. And uh, put the coffee money aside and bring it to here. So we're preparing for Shavuot. We're counting the armor. This revelation on that, meditation, praying, uh, let's talk about the Ruach HaKadosh and all of that, you know, so we are celebrating different traditions. And also we need to know who we are in the Messiah. This is very important. We need to know who we are in the Messiah. There are other four um, um, holidays in ER. Come on, okay. Uh, and those are uh, uh, Yom HaShoah, which we celebrated it, uh, commemorated recently. Uh, uh, Yom HaZikaron, Yom HaAtzimaut, Yom Yerushalayim, Yom uh, HaShoah was happened uh, last Wednesday, May to 2nd. Uh, Yom HaZikaron is uh, the Israeli Memorial Day, some sort of uh, like the 4th of July, I believe. Uh, and then you have, or no, it's a different, it's a different thing. It's similar to it. Uh, then you, uh, that's going to be on sundown on Tuesday, May the 7th. Also Yom HaAzmaut, Israel, fallen soldiers and victims of terror. Israel Independence Day. That's Independence Day. Okay, that's the 4th of July kind of thing. Um, I don't think they celebrated with uh, uh, fire, fireworks like we do here. I mean, they celebrate, <laughs> the Palestinians are doing it for them. That's sad. That's really sad. So it, it's the Israeli Independence Day. Yom HaAzma'ut begins at sundown on Wednesday the 8th. So, and then we have Yom Jerusalem, 
which is going to happen on Saturday, June the 1st of, of this year. What about Yeshua? You know, we always talk about these things of the rabbis and blah, blah, blah. I didn't have time to put all these things I was reading with Yeshua, but I'm pretty sure there are a lot of parallels from these writings from what Yeshua is doing, was doing, is doing is even today. Uh, there are some events I want to talk to you about it and uh, to finish my lecture here. Um, Yeshua spent 40 days with his emissaries. They saw him and he spoke with them about the kingdom of God. Have you ever wondered, okay, 40 days? Because, you know, people usually think that he resurrected and boom, he ascended to heaven right away. When you read the text carefully, you realize, wait a minute, 40 days. What he was doing during those 40 days. The Bible says, the Dr. Luke from the book of Acts is saying that he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Very interesting, right? What else, what else happened? According to Matthew 28, 18, it's very, very interesting. Let's read it. It says, Yeshua came and talked with them and, say, and he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Wow, that's the first thing. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Remember, Satan wanted to he offer him all the plan, all the richness and, and, and nations and so on. He said, no, 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 go away. Uh, and, and, you know, God has given them everything. So, um, and then he says, therefore, and this is an order, this is a commandment. He commanded his Talmudin, he says, therefore, go and make people from all nations, all nations, into Talmudin, Immersing them into the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh. It doesn't say here for salvation, people. It says make them Talmudin and purify them. We were talking about purities and impurities and all of those things, right? And he's talking about that right here. And then he says, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And his promise. This is a beautiful promise. And remember, I will be with you always. Yes, even till the end of the age. What is that? What is the end of the age? What is time for you, people? What is time? What time is it? It's this time. It's not the end of the age yet. Last time I checked. So, and then... You have another important thing. Luke 24, 44, Yeshua says to them, this is what I, and this is happening during the time of the counting of the armor before he ascended to heaven. Yeshua says to them, this is what I meant when I was still with you and told you that everything written about me in the Torah of Moshe, the prophets and the Psalms had to be fulfilled. In other words, the Tanakh. Right? Tanakh is right there, the Tanakh. The Gospels didn't even exist yet. It was just verbally passing on. They haven't been written yet. Till 30 years or 40, I think, after he perished and ascended to heaven. 45, then he opened his mind, their minds so that they could understand the Tanakh. Wow. This is my favorite verse. If you ever... If in, in a game or whatever, they ask you, what is your favorite verse? This is my favorite. Out of the entire Bible. Anytime I want to open my Bible, I say, Lord, help me to understand your words. Help me to understand what do you have for me. And then he says, telling them, here is what he says, the Messiah is to suffer. This is the gospel. It's, it's very simple. The Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day and, uh, and in his name, repentance leading to forgiveness. Repentance leading to forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed to people from all nations. 
starting with Jerusalem. Your witnesses, he says, he says witnesses, we're not judges or lawyers. If you're judging people, people, you're not witnesses. He says here witnesses. If you're observing the Torah by judging others, that's not, that's not going to make you saint. That's not going to make you holy. So you have to be a witness. You are witnesses of these things. Now I am sending forth upon you what my father promised to stay. I'm sorry. <clears throat> to stay. <clears throat> so stay here in the city until you have been equipped with power from above. What was that? The Ruach HaKodesh on Shavuot, Acts 2. 30, in the presence of the Talmudin, Yeshua performed, this is another verse. This is another verse. In the presence of the Talmudin, Yeshua, oh, what else he did? He performed many miracles. Good bunch of miracles. He says here, in the presence of the Talmudin, Yeshua performed many other miracles which have not been recorded in this book. But these, these which have been recorded are here so that you may trust that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by his trust you may have life because of who he is. Very simple. It sounds very simple, right? When you read, I know some of you probably are like, what, you're reading too much. But, you know, sometimes we need this. We need to, you know... <laughs> I'm about to finish. So that's it. The, the don't forget the three months we are into counting the Omer and all these things about the kingdom. Listen, ER is the month of Yeshua's ascension. Don't forget that. Yeah, you know, most people think about his death. All they think is about oh, you know the way he suffered. Well, wait a minute. There's more meanings. His birth, his life, being a teacher of the Torah, and his life, being uh, the perfect tzaddik, the perfect sacrifice for all of us. Don't forget that. They're, they've got the same level. Then uh, his sacrifice, of course, which is the ugliest thing that it can happen to someone who is innocent for all of us, for all the criminals like me. Uh, and then you have, and then you have his resurrection, very powerful, but also his ascension. And before his ascension, these teachings that he was given to, I encourage you to read the Gospels again, the end of the Gospels. There's a few pages that you'll get it. The reaffirmation of, of Peter and John. They, eat, uh, they ate uh, fish for breakfast. I never ate Fish for breakfast, do you? Uh -huh. I don't know. We're Jamaicans, you, you, you forget it. You eat fish all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's not Jamaican? No? I never ate fish for breakfast. Huh? Mediterranean, right? Yeah, no, I don't think Yeshua was Jamaican. No, I don't think so. But he was? <laughs> I thought it was Salvadoran. But anyways, uh, <laughs> but anyways, I mean, he's eating fish with his Talmudin and giving them a great lesson right there. Peter, do you love me? I mean, read that again. It's just beautiful. I mean, I got excited anytime I opened those pages. So, the year is the month of Yeshua's ascension. There is... Uh, I gotta finish with this. I know you're you're late. You gotta go to school to work, whatever. Uh, let me see. Iyar is the second month of. We read this, okay? From here, this is from First Fruit of Zion. The month of Iyar represents part of the journey from Passover to Shavuot, the journey from Egypt to Mount Sinai. As we count the Omer, we should be on the spiritual journey of preparation, getting ready for the appointed time of Shavuot in the year of. In the year the master suffered, the apostles went through a spiritual journey during the month of Iyar. The journey was Jesus' resurrection on the first day of the counting of the Omer to his ascension to the 40th day of the counting of the Omer. 
For 40 days, the resurrected Messiah appeared in Jerusalem and in the Galilee and to all the apostles. He ate with them, taught them, and fellowship with them. Those were the most precious days of all. As we come to Omer and go through the days of Iyar, uh, we should concentrate our intentions in prayer and worship to feel the presence of risen Messiah in our midst. On the 26th of Iyar, he ascended to heavenly tabernacle of his father, Acts 1.3, Hebrews 9.11. As believers, Iyar is precious to us because it's the month of the ascension, the month when the master ascended to the right hand of the father. Don't forget to do something special to celebrate, celebrate Ascension Day this year with your brothers and sisters in the master. Happy Iyar, everybody. So, that's it. Let's pray. Abba, thank you for your word. Thank you for Yeshua, our Messiah.